1: to wrestling omakase it is episode number 231 and this week i am pleased to be joined by a returning guest hello harley
0: hey john how are you going
1: uh pretty good it's one of these like whatever Richard and joe start the flagship out sometimes and they're like oh let me ask you how you're doing like we didn't just talk for 20 minutes that's just what happened here it's not every week on uh, omakase when like i i have that long of a chat with the guest before we start but it was this week, so it's like, ah, how you doing? We've already been talking for 20 minutes. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking done.
0: about. I'm, I'm interested to hear what you have to say <laughs> for the first time.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I just got home from a, uh, a a lovely vacation in western New York, which was even more lovely considering it was uh, a last-minute replacement for another vacation uh, in Reno slash Tahoe that I could not go on because Lake Tahoe is unfortunately on fire. Actually, don't, I haven't been checking the updates. I don't know if it's still on fire or not. Like, Once you decide to move the trip, it's really not as uh, as pressing to check in with. I mean, I hope it's not on fire anymore. But I really haven't been uh, checking it every day like I was leading up to the decision to cancel. But uh, yeah, those wildfires are pretty bad. And I was like... It's one of those things where it's like... Once you get to a certain point when the wildfires are still going... Uh, it got to a point where it's like... Even if they're technically out before we go... It just felt vaguely like disrespectful to show up there and be like, hey, I'm here <laughs> to vacation. I'm here to use this private beach at this resort. And uh, please serve me and me and my girlfriend. And please give us all the drink." It just felt very, very disrespectful. They, they may have just gotten back to their homes. Like, I did not want to be the first person uh, to come use it as a resort again. It just felt, I'll let somebody else do that. No, did it's not great right <laughs>
0: optics to do things like that. No, not Yeah, at
1: all. I did not want to do that. Hey, but, a holiday's
0: but a holiday is a holiday, John.
1: Yeah, it was good though. I mean, the Western New York, it wasn't quite my first time there because uh, I went there all the way back in 2005. I think I told the story already, but I went there in 2005 uh, to see Shima and Shingo Takagi on the Ring of Honor show there. Uh, Little did I know I would see them both about a million times more after that, but at the time I felt like, oh, they're bringing Shima and Shingo. I have to go all the way to Buffalo for this. (laughs) But it was, uh, you know, I've seen them both like, I don't know, 10 times now probably. But the, you know, so that was my first time there, but I really didn't see anything of the area. Like, it was pretty much just drive up, uh, hang out with some other wrestling fans, go to the show, drive back. We did go to Duff's, which I did again this time. Just Duff's is like, uh, it wasn't the place that invented the Buffalo Wing. That's called, uh, a different place called Anchor Bar. We also went there on this trip, although I didn't get the wings. Uh, but Duff's is like considered, you know, uh, I, I, what like a lot of people consider to be the best. Now it's kind of touristy, so people will say it's not actually the best. But for a while, like people consider it to be the best. Um, and we went up We went up there to the original Duff's on this trip, too, as well, just to see how it held up 15 years later. I, I don't know if it held up as much as... Uh, I mean, it was fine, but it wasn't like I remembered it from 15 years ago. So it may have been a leave-the-memories-alone situation. <laughs> but yeah, that was about the only thing I did, uh, you know... 15, 15 years ago. This time, obviously, did a lot, did a lot more stuff. Uh, if people follow me on Twitter, they probably already saw a lot of it. Went to Niagara Falls for two days. Uh, went over to the Canadian side, too, on Tuesday, which obviously is, uh, you know, they, they just reopened uh, American-Canadian travel. And if, uh, for, like for tourists, I mean. And <laughs> if there's any indication, actually, I can't tell this. I, so coming back from Canada, I could not tell if the American border patrol agent was being rude to us because he was like, Oh, the look at these two fuckers feeling like they got to go cross the fucking border uh, during the middle of all this shit. Or if he's just an asshole, because pretty much all American border agents i have ever encountered are complete assholes. I really couldn't tell. I think it could just be the latter, but so like going into Canada the border patrol agent was very nice she was like you know uh you know how what are you guys coming for we're just like oh we just want to see the falls from the canadian side and she was very apologetic that we got picked for this randomized covid testing uh because we wouldn't even get the results until we're back in america but i guess the idea is if you come over the border you have to have you have to be vaccinated and you have to have a negative test already which we you know we have both of those things already but like this way if you come over, they give you this test and you would get the results back in a day or two. And theoretically, if you're still in the country, then you would quarantine, or by law, I think you'd have to quarantine if it was positive. And, you know, they, she was just like, Oh, but you're you're going back you know, we're telling her we're gonna go back to America today. We're just driving in and then driving out. And uh, you know, she was like, Okay, well you're not even gonna you're not even gonna have these results before you're back in your own country. But, you know, it was still good to know I didn't have COVID, I guess. That's so always they, get a plus. The they get the results a couple of days later. Uh, but yeah, the Canadian side of Niagara Falls, it wasn't what I, what I was expecting at all, really. It was like extremely tourist, touristy, I guess. Like there's this one stretch that's basically, I don't know what it, it looks like, a carnival or something. Like it has, you know, like a hall of mirrors and a haunted house and uh, just a ton of every like, family and chain restaurant you can ever think of. And it's, like, it's very strange. Like, it wasn't all... I did not know they had this. Because the American side of Niagara Falls is very... Like, people always say the Canadian side is better. And the view... The view of the main falls from the Canadian side is definitely better. Uh, but you can get up closer to it on the American side, which is kind of cool. But the actual view on the Canadian side is better. But, like, other than the view, I think I prefer, the, the like, the more understated American side to the... You know, you could see understated as in, like, not very built up or whatever. But the Canadian side just kind of felt like a weird tourist trap. It's like, oh, here's miniature golf. Here's go-karts. Here's, uh, like I said, a house of mirrors. It was very, like, very strange. Uh, very jarring. Not what I was expecting. But, right. Because
0: the- in, in – in obviously, I've never been to Niagara Falls. Um, but oh, when you watch television and where scenes are set there, you only ever really see the fall. You don't like, so I've got no, I have no idea what is actually there, other than yeah, I,
1: I was picturing more like a, just a state park, which is what the American side pretty much is like. It's just like a little park. The Canadian side is like, oh, you're in the middle of a real tourist trap here, and it was very, it was very strange. But uh,
0: yeah, now you make me want to go to that one too.
1: <laughs> just, just to yeah, see the, it. It is it is really weird, but yeah, they, they, there's a there's a specific term for the that that street. at something Hill. I don't remember what what the first word is called, but it's like one specific street that's just like the big tourist trap part of it. But other than that, it was cool though. The uh, like there's different things you can do where you go on each side where like you can get a boat ride that takes you right up through the mist and gets you very wet uh, of the falls, and you can stand under the the baby falls on the American side. The I think it's called Bridal Veil Falls, the smallest one. And which I did. I, I took a little video of that and uh I had to give a shout to Voice the Wrestling's Paul Vosch for making the funniest joke about it where he was like, Now you're ready to face Okada at New Beginning. <laughs> 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 I just have to, to paint my paint my face and body, I guess. That's a good, that's yeah. A good bit. Yeah. But uh but yeah, so like that the falls are cool. Um I don't know what else. Like the, Monday, Tuesday we're at the falls. Wednesday, Thursday we drove to uh, Allegheny State Park, was like about an hour and a half away, and that was just like to see this giant park. Uh, you know, with this, it had a nice little lake. It had a historic little house. Basically, I was just looking for something else we could do uh, in the area without driving too far, because it was like I, I knew that there wasn't enough at Niagara Falls. I mean, some people told me Niagara Falls would last an hour. Those people, I think, undersold it. Like I thought we had plenty to do for the two days, but. By the time the two days were over, we had done pretty much everything. So I was glad that I didn't try to stretch it out to more than two days. So we left and went to the Allegheny, which, you know, had a nice state park and then also had a a casino called Seneca Allegheny, which was kind of cool just because they're one of the only places left in the Northeast, at least, that still has $5 tables. So I lost all my money, but I lost it much slower than I would have. So that was nice, I guess. Uh, And then we went back to Buffalo for the last night. And just kind of relax there before our flight. But it was a good little trip. It was the most driving I've done in like probably like eight years or something. Like I ha- I don't have a car in New York City. So, you know, I was a little nervous about driving us around. Like we rented a car. Uh, got a, this nice little Toyota Camry, which was uh, handled very well, honestly. I, didn't, I did not know the Camry uh, could be such a fun car to drive. But yeah, and we had like... But I was like a little nervous about driving us all these miles ended up being like 232 miles total. but like I don't know once the moment I started doing, it, I was like, oh, okay this is even though it's been a while, it's uh, it's really not hard. like it comes back to you very quickly. So I was like it's very it was very easy just to drive us all around. Uh, and just renting a car was much easier and uh, like a much simpler process than I thought it would be I, I'd never really done it before but now i'm just like i don't know why i've never done this before it actually isn't super expensive and it's actually not that complicated I, I I don't know in my head i thought it was more complicated than it was or something so if you're like me and you've been afraid to rent a car all this time i guess uh go out there and rent one if you're in america anyway, i don't know what it's like in you know anywhere else but no but i've yeah, only rented was... a car
0: once and it was uh yeah it was you just pay you pay the fee you pay like a, a bond which you get back if you don't mess the car up, and then yeah. you, off you go. You just drop it off at whichever airport you're leaving in.
1: Yeah, I don't know why I thought it was more complicated than that. I don't know what I thought it was, but I just never did it before. So,
0: Well, I've also rented a car in Austin, too, to drive to San Antonio um, mm-hmm. in one of my two American trips. Uh, and that seemed also pretty easy, but what I found very jarring was driving on the wrong side of the road.
1: Oh yeah, you yeah, know yeah, yeah. my I, head.
0: I, I was head checking the wrong way, going trying to exit a freeway was like a nightmare. Just because instinctually, I'm driving on the right side of the road, or the left side of the road, and the exits over here are on the left, whereas the exits over where you are, are on the right. So just I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready for the exit ramp, and then you sort of <laughs> see it, and you're like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And you've just got to, you know, just a real, real jarring sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I'm. I was very happy. To go to, like, that was my first time ever driving in a foreign country in Canada. And it's like, thank God they drive on the same side of the road we drive on. I don't know if I was ready. It was, it was like, jarring enough just driving a car again. At first, right? But I got into it. I got It was very easy once I got into it. And I think I'm a pretty good driver anyway. So, you know. I, I know there's some people I know. am not going to name names. Who, they, they don't probably listen anyway. There's some people I know who, like, really ride their brake. Like, really ride their brake. And I'm in the car with this person a lot, and it can start to make you feel a little sick after a while. And it's like, you're, you're supposed to ride the gas. Like, basically, you know, most people listening to this, I'm sure, drive. If you don't, you know, I don't know, whatever. But you basically, you should be able to, like, uh, come to, like, a, a nice rolling stop pretty often or just, like, decelerate by letting your foot off the gas. So most people don't need... To hit the hit the brake that often, unless they really have to stop at the end, or they just need a little help to stop. Uh, this is not how my friend, let's just say, drives. He just instead of riding the gas, he rides the brake. It's like eh, brake, eh, brake, you know, just really hitting that brake over and over again. It starts to make you feel a little sick after a while. And I remember Nicole was in the car with me, and you know, she's also been in the in the car uh, with this person driving quite a bit, and she was like, "You drive so much better than they do." <laughs> I was like, "Well, thank you," <laughs> but it was—I uh, definitely made me uh, miss driving a little bit. But I don't know, like a car really is not something I even remotely need here. But it was nice to just uh, get behind the wheel of my own, on my own. You know, just behind, be actually behind the wheel for once instead of having uh, other people drive me or Uber drivers or whatever the fuck. So it was nice. Definitely, kind of want to do it again sometime, but. Maybe I'll maybe I'll work in a rental car into whatever other trip we do next time. Uh, we waste a lot of time though. I I, I, I rambled on forever about uh, my trip. Did you do anything interesting lately, Harley?
0: Um, no. So in, Mel- <laughs> in in Melbourne, we're still in um we're still in lockdown. Actually, um I wow. think I was in lockdown the last time I was on this show. Um,
1: Did this you come out of lockdown you- at all between?
0: No, no, no. So yeah. we, we we had six months, and then um, the delta the delta strain came over, and um, mm. one of our states um, with a uh, a right wing leader had, uh, didn't. So what what a lot of our states do is when you get a case, we you lock down for three days, just like to flush it out. And this and this state didn't do that, and it sort of seeded in other places, uh, including New Zealand. Um, so yeah, so they're still in lockdown too. We're still in lockdown, and our vaccination rollout as well is, is dog shit. Like our again, our right wing prime minister uh, turned down um, Pfizer and and Moderna last this time last year as well. He sort of scoffed their nose at them. Um, so yeah, we're we're only really just like I'm getting my second dose on Friday, and that's the earliest I could have got it right. So, but yeah, we've just sort of released a, a roadmap, I guess, out of lockdown. So, eventually, as more and more people are double vaccinated, we'll, um, we'll, more restrictions will get lifted. Um, but yeah, but I'm a, I'm a teacher. So, I've just, this is my first day of uh, uh, September holiday period. Uh, so that's why I can unfortunately be on the show at 10.30 a.m. Monday. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I have, to go, I have to go, I have to quote, go back to work tomorrow, obviously, but I'm still working from home, so at least I don't have to commute, but uh, at the first day back from vacation is always a fucking disaster, so. Yeah, I, hate. No, I was going to give
0: myself a buffer
1: before I go back. <laughs> definitely not looking forward to it. I mean, it's just like, obviously between the fact that you haven't been working all this time, and it's been great, and... Of course, your inbox is a fucking disaster because you've been gone all week. It's just it's pretty bad. But what are you going to do? Got to get through it anyway. Uh, speaking of things people feel like they have to get through this year, there was a lot of chatter about the G1 Climax being, uh, what's the word for, sickos, right? I think that's definitely something I've seen. Uh, for perverts. <laughs> uh, for crazy people. Uh, during this during this tour uh, this year with the you know New Japan and Japan still under a lot of COVID restrictions, it is so I I you know I have read about this a, a lot, right? It, it's it is re- I think what Americans really have ish- like a problem with is it's really hard to tell not even just Americans too, like a lot of Europeans too, because you know the UK I don't think it's under any restrictions at all right now. It seems like a lot of uh people from the UK are really. You know, been really up New Japan's ass lately. And it's like, I think it's really hard for some people in America and the UK and other Western nations that have no restrictions at all, you know, and anything related to COVID right now um, to wrap their heads around this country that's still, you know, under states of emergency. Like, they still cannot serve alcohol in Japan. I mean, it's not completely shut down the way you guys are, but like, they can't serve alcohol in restaurants. Uh, you know, there's all these other restrictions around movement. You're not supposed to uh, go to another prefecture, although I've heard that one isn't like severely enforced. And obviously, most importantly, you cannot cheer at shows. So I feel like, and, and uh, and you know, the attendance is capped and people are even, I think, voluntarily staying home more during the most recent surge. So I think there's been like a, you know, a tendency among a certain type of Western fan to really downplay the impact that stuff is having because we're it's not an experience we're living. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like we're, we're not living through that anymore. As far, you know, people are still wearing masks here. Um It depends on where you are though in America. I mean, there are still, there are some places where they're required. There's some places where they're not required, but a lot of people still wear them. Like like where I live in New York, uh, when I went to Western New York, I would say, the amount of people wearing masks was probably like 25% or less. Um, but New York city, it's still, you know, I'd say like 75% probably or something. Like it's still very high here, but like masking is really the only thing we're doing. Like, you know, if we're doing that uh, capacity restrictions are, are obviously gone. You see these videos of people like packing football stadiums and stuff. Obviously there's never been any restriction on cheering and, you know, we're, we're watching re- uh, not even just, you know, real sports, but, wrestling on television with lots of people cheering and it feel everything feels pretty normal if you're here so i think there's a tendency to be like overly dismissive about the impact those restrictions have had on japanese wrestling but and that in turn means that you're more you're even more like um you know even more hard on new japan for what's been you know a pretty rough few months i mean let's be honest but it's not really being fair to the company. It's not being fair to the fact that they're under, operating under an entirely different set of rules than any American wrestling promotion is right now. Uh, and never mind the fact that a huge chunk of the roster does not want to go to Japan right now, which, you know, again, they can't do anything about that either, except, I guess, try to force them and have them even be more even more likely to walk as soon as their contracts are over. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, these are things that I think you know, Westerners right now kind of take for granted that we don't have to deal with, that Japan still has to deal with. So I can understand why some people are really negative on New Japan right now and also uh, are not giving them, you know, any leeway as far as like being under these pandemic restrictions. Because, you know, as far as we can tell, as far as we feel over here, the pandemic does feel pretty over. Over. I mean, I'm not saying it should. And if you look at the amount of people who are dying every day in America, it sure as fuck really isn't over, but it feels over to people uh, in a way that I, you know, obviously it makes it hard to, um, you know, relate to what's going on in Japan right now. So yes, I think that's why you saw a lot of like, oh, New Japan for sickos. But the first two nights of the G1 were fucking awesome. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if you disagree, but these two nights were really, really good. About as good as they honestly could have been i think so maybe people will either back off a little bit of that that take that you know anyone watching the g1 is a crazy person or maybe people will be a little more into it now i don't know but the first two nights of g1 were like these are the best two nights new japan has had in uh, probably since what like i can't even think of a compare probably like probably twenty nineteen maybe uh, I would going say since Wrestle Kingdom, but... Oh, oh right, people, right, 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 right. People did like Wrestle Kingdom this year. Right? Oh, no, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant G1s. Yeah, G, G1. G, yeah, I yeah, meant, yeah. But yeah, no, that was... I, I, I think you're right, definitely. Especially that night two. May, may, maybe because that was just a surprise. Um, I think night one's undercard wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. But the top two certainly felt like, okay, We're we're in G1 now. For sure. Oh, there's one
1: match we're gonna de- definitely disagree on them, but we'll guess we'll get to it from the night one undercard. I'm saying.
0: Oh, did you think one was really bad?
1: I don't know. I thought one was really good. Oh, um, okay, yeah. Was, no, I mean,
0: I, I, I'm... we'll go through the star ratings, but I didn't think yeah. anything was particularly impressive. But um, yeah, yeah, I just... I... yeah.
1: But but yeah, I agree that night two was a surprise as far as like just really over delivering.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that was it. That's that's a, that's the perfect word. It over delivered. You know, yeah. like how many, how many G1, right. So just a quick spoiler. I only gave one I, for that night to only had one notebook, notebook match and how many, but how many nights would you gush about a G1 with only one notebook match? But I think because this was, this block was so maligned and you got four, for me, for me at least four pretty good to very good matches and one pretty incredible match. I like that's that's one of the best New Japan shows I, f- I felt like I've seen in in, in months since probably Dominion yeah. when, and I and I can't even remember that card except for Shingo winning, you know.
1: Yeah, so definitely a good start here for the G One that is for sure. Uh, we're gonna go through everything obviously in nights one and two. Before I do that, I just need to mention, of course, the Wrestling Omakase Patreon. Uh, we'll be covering every night of the G One. And also the Noah N1 victory, which we're also covering on this episode. Every every night of the tournament that does not get covered on a free episode will be covered exclusively on the Patreon. The Easiest way to explain it. So if you go over there right now, patreon.com slash wrestlingomakase, you pay your $5. You get everything we've done so far, which is the, uh, the episode last week that covered the opening night of the Noah N1. Uh, I did a very extensive G1 Climax preview. Uh, they, you know, you might might still want to check out one over like an hour and 20 minutes, I think, which I, I recorded it before I left for vacation, but it came out this past Wednesday. Uh, got some very positive feedback on that. So definitely check that one out. I went through every single night. Uh, I rated the card of every night, you know, as far as like how excited I was about that card and what I thought it looked like on paper. So if you're looking to, like pick and choose, you know that you might like might enjoy that previous episode still. So plus, obviously, you get everything else we have ever done. You know, the Tokyo Dome series and all and all that stuff. Uh But here, the main thing, obviously, going forward is, you know, a ton of nights of both tournaments will only be covered on the Patreon. So this week coming up, especially uh, tomorrow, I'll be covering nights three and four of the NOAA N1. Uh, Thursday, I'll be covering night three of the G1. And Friday, I'll be covering night four of the G1. So all those shows will be covered only on the Patreon. Next week's uh, episode will also be Patreon exclusive, because again, every other episode uh, every other full episode of the show is Patreon-exclusive, as you've probably noticed by now. So, you know, even G1 Night 5 and N1 Night 5, that'll be on next week's full episode. But then again, that again will be Patreon-exclusive. So the next time uh, you'll hear from me on a free episode it won't be until Sunday, October 3rd, so two weeks from now. And it'll be the uh, NOAA N1 Finals and the G1 Night 9. So if you want to hear my takes on any of those other shows, Every G1 show from now until night nine and all the M1 shows until the finals, you have to subscribe. Uh, It's only $5. It's at patreon.com slash wrestlingomakase. The link is also in the description, uh, I think multiple times (laughs) if anything. So very hard to miss. But again, you get all of our daily coverage of both tournaments, every show that we don't cover on a free episode, only on the Patreon. So it's a great time to sign up. And you can always sample anything else you want uh from the past series I've done. Uh for instance, if the Okada Tanahashi main event on night two made you uh want to check out the rest of their matches, I already did a series covering every single Okada Tanahashi match in order, in detail, full reviews. We go through everything else going on in their careers to so give you added context of what was going on, you know, leading into each match, which I think would, you know, make a great audio companion if you want to go in and watch it for the first time. So that's on there, too. Uh, Naito and Ishii is on there, too. The same kind of thing. And Naito and Tanahashi. So those are the three, you know, New Japan feuds I've done. You know, full series of. And so all that stuff is on there, too. Everything else you've ever done. So definitely check it all out at patreon.com slash wrestling omakase. Again, only $5 to sign up. All right. So... Night one here, the A Block, Saturday, September 18th from the Eddie Arena Osaka, also known as the Osaka Prefectural Gymnasium. Uh, first off, what do you think of the theme song, Max the Max, from Jam Project?
0: Um, It's not... It's not as good as that Man with a Mission song they did a few years ago. Oh, yeah. That was... I actually thought that was... that As a song itself, that's a pretty decent one. Mm. Um... Uh this is this is
1: okay. It's probably you know, in the I, middle. A lot of people a lot of people seem to really like it. So I'm surprised you're like you you're one of the more negative people I've heard about it. I don't think it's it, it's not really like
0: catchy to me. Like I think that Wrestle Kingdom uh 14 theme song as, as sort of as annoying as it is, that was, you know, I was still singing that chorus afterwards.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This one I'm not going to go around the house going um Maximum Muscles of the the max. Yeah, 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 Exactly.
1: (laughs) I like it because it's very, it's very Annie song, which is what you know Jam Project does normally. Obviously, they these are people who do, uh, you know, songs for anime. Oh, I really like Jam Project.
0: I like. I usually like them, but it doesn't. This one doesn't feel like it's an anime theme song to me, or at least an anime I would (laughs) watch.
1: There you go. Uh, I saw them live ones at Anime Boston. That was pretty cool. But just wanted to throw that out there. they 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 were a cool little live band. I mean, they did the uh did the original Dragon Ball Z theme song, which was a really fun thing to experience live. Honestly, even though i have actually never been that that big of a Dragon Ball fan, but uh the yeah. But so we got that opening. Then we had the first uh match of the evening, a non torment match. So. Some of these shows have non-tournament matches and some of them don't. It looks like um, that
0: the shows that are in Tokyo or at least in Tokyo them. metropolitan area do not have an undercard, which I think is fair enough considering they're the ones uh, as uh, a snake bitten, pardon the pun, with the coronavirus at the moment.
1: Yeah. Uh, so this one was show defeating. So obviously all the undercard matches are just the, the one of the two young lions against somebody. So this one, usually in like a pair. So one young lion faces a guy, and the next like the There next are time, the tag one
0: matches year. coming up, though. I, yeah, I towards the, yeah,
1: towards the end of the tour, yeah. Uh, so this one was Ryuhi Oiwa losing to show in 6.08 with the snake bite. Um, I should mention, too, this this show's attendance, by the way, was 1,963. Uh, really? Night 2 beat it. Yeah, night two beat it by a little bit. It felt like there was more,
0: or at least visually
1: looked like there was more. Uh, night two was two thousand one eighty eight. I was gonna say, I think this did. This must be pretty close to capacity because, like the uh, those MetLife Dome shows where the max is like five thousand, they were doing like pretty yeah twenty seven eighty and two thousand ninety five. So I imagine these were pretty close to capacity. I don't know what exact I, I think 50% of yeah I would assume it was like five thousand so movie capacity is like forty five hundred or something so not bad I guess for uh you know Osaka has been hit plenty hard by COVID too. Um but anyway so the opener here was show beating Oiwa in 608 with the snake bite his new submission hold. Uh show's opening video is now full of like pixelated footage uh pixelated on purpose obviously look like it's a video game of him joining the House of Torture. I thought this looks less cool than his original Evil Gamer entrance video uh, from his match against Yo at MetLife. I don't know. I just thought, like, somehow this looked way less cool than the, the video we had last time.
0: Well, it's anything House of Torture is automatically less
1: cool. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we also have a new referee, Taito Okabayashi. Uh, I guess we will not know what this man's face looks like until uh, whenever COVID is under considered under control enough for referees not to wear masks. I shouldn't say that. they probably have his fucking face somewhere, but I just thought of that. I was like, wow, we'll never see his face in the ring for quite a while, probably. But uh, And then Kevin Kelly also had like technical issues on the English commentary. Because I, I wanted to give the English commentary a chance. I haven't been listening to it in a long time because um, most of the time it's recorded remotely, right? So yes, we'll overdub it. Uh, when they, they, there's like a, something missing basically. When you listen to the English commentary, that's overdubbed, you can really tell it's overdubbed and the sound mix does not sound as good, uh, you know, as listening to the Japanese where they're there. Well, now Kevin Kelly's in America, in Japan, I should say. And, you know, he and Chris Jarrett are in the building doing the, doing the commentary. So, you know, it sounds much more natural again, that the audio mix, you know, sounds more natural. So I wanted to give them a shot. Um, you know, they were good. I mean, Kevin Kelly, I think it's almost always good. But uh, they they had, like, technical issues right off the bat. which I remember watching, like, oh, that's a bad omen for the show. And uh, maybe you're introducing, you have, like, skeptical English-speaking fans coming back to the G1, and the first time they get is all these technical issues. But it turned out to be, I mean, the show turned out to be pretty great anyway. So uh, not not much of a problem. You could uh, hear
0: um, K- Kelly and Chris on the Japanese feed. Right? Oh, yeah, really? Echoing, yeah.
1: You could, hear, you could hear the Japanese feed, too, sometimes on the English feed, so... Uh Oira showed like a really nice drop kick at one point. He just nailed show right in the face before the 5 minute call. Uh but show came back and tapped him out not too long after that. Uh I thought it was standard young lion stuff here plus show got to show off uh, no pun intended there some of <laughs> his new heel aggression and that made it a little watchable, you know what was lasted. I went like 2 and 3 quarters. It was all right. Yeah no, yeah I'm yeah,
0: just spot on. It's just a standard Young lion squash with a, a a guy that's about to be pushed or is in the middle of being pushed. Uh, I didn't really star rate it, but it's like I, again, the the young lion system is probably the best training system in the world, right? Like how many matches has has Oiwa had now? Uh, like hand, four, I think. Four, and he's he's just so like he's missing he's missing the stuff that makes a good wrestler a wrestler. But in terms of executing basic moves he's already so sound
1: yeah so many of these other wrestlers nowadays that come up in other places uh definitely lack that you know that soundness and i'm not i don't even think it's a new japan thing specifically because like pretty much any japanese promotion the the, the trainees are you know, they always have very sound fundamentals and i just assume it's the way they train them and what they focus on early in their careers whereas you know there's so many american wrestlers obviously who uh, never seem to learn how to do anything. You know, it, I don't know. It, like, there's a lot of American wrestlers <laughs> who are uh pretty recent who just cannot fucking throw a dropkick correctly. So. Well, it
0: might be it might be more of a, an American thing to focus on uh, your gimmick first, where yeah, you know, and the, uh, the wrestling is secondary. Whereas you know, in Japan, the wrestling is is you got to have you know fundamentals only- and then then grow into your gimmick.
1: I've been watching like dark and dark elevation a little bit lately. Like, uh, uh, the joke goes just to be i would never watched these shows, but I've been curious about like, you know, what they're like. And so many of the wrestlers they bring in uh, as squash victims, who I assume are very young, very early in their careers, in both genders, uh, you know, male and female, they cannot run the fucking ropes. Just, it just amazes me watching them. It's like, how did you not learn how to, like, if you, you think, wouldn't that be like day one shit? You never see anyone in Japan who gets uh, through a young lion system who can't run the ropes. It just doesn't happen. Right. It's and there are basic, so many.
0: It's a basic back. Um, uh, uh, what the fuck? I've just lost the word. But, you know, falling on your back and then running the ropes.
1: Yeah. Like taking a bump and running the ropes Yeah, a What the thing. hell? How yeah. did I forget
0: that word bump? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's like there's so many American wrestlers, young American wrestlers. I mean, they, they all know how to bump usually. That's fine but they there's so many of them who can't run the ropes and there are there's a couple who like uh, AEW pushes like there was a like a big one who you know people are going to be mad at me for hating on but you know and so, some of the stuff she does with like judo and stuff is cool but Ty Conti she cannot run the fucking ropes like she will take you know like f- six or seven steps sometimes when she should obviously be taking three and it's just, like, really, really jarring to watch one of her matches and watch her just, like, struggle to run the ropes. I'm just like, you're not – like, how has nobody pulled her – like, you have Dustin Rhodes back there, and he can't pull this woman aside and say, hey, uh, you can't run the ropes. should <laughs> <Man, laughs> like, all about good vibes
0: and positivity now, man. He can't, he can't put that on the
1: locker room. <laughs> just, He's just the natural.
0: He...
1: Just be gentle. Be gentle about it, but just pull her aside and be like, I'm going to teach you how to run the ropes. Just like when Naito pulled uh, Hiromu aside when he was really struggling and was like, I'm just going to teach you how to wrestle. <laughs> I've heard, I don't know if it's the story. But yeah, he just pulled him aside one day and said, if you don't mind, i would like to teach you how to wrestle now. What year was that? Uh, I think it was like when he, right after he debuted. So I think like '09.
0: Oh, right. So like pre-all of this. pre yeah. Pre-LIJ, pre, pre... Yeah, he was... Yeah, okay. He,
1: he was a Naito... Uh, you know, a Naito disciple, I guess you would say. Uh, A Naito student, like, from day one, basically. So, uh, that's pretty much just how he, you know, Naito just kind of pulled him over at a young age. But, but yeah, I don't know, like, the, uh, it makes me wonder, like, how many wrestlers we don't hear those kind of stories for, you know, because obviously they told us that story because they put them in the same unit anyway and all that. But I wonder how many wrestlers there are, like, out there that, like, you know, were, like, Tanahashi disciples or something that we never heard about. But, but yeah, the point is though, like Dustin Rhodes should do that for Ty Conti, or anybody back there. Uh, I don't know, like w- w- you know, Ruby Soho's there now. She know how she knows how to run the ropes. Just pull her aside and be like, "Hey, I'm going to teach you how to run the ropes now." But I don't know. There's just something, something about it. So yeah, t- t- to your point, young, young, uh, the young lion system is the best way to learn pro wrestling because there's, uh, you know, so many comparable. I'm not trying to pick on AEW. WWE has a lot of. Uh, you know, shitty young wrestlers too. So, well, the thing is, John,
0: that you don't a sane person doesn't watch anything in, to do with WWE, so you wouldn't know if no one can. <laughs> I, wa- I, wa- I
1: actually, I actually have watched SmackDown a bunch of weeks since it came back. Now that's for but... sickos and freaks. And <laughs> but I never watch NXT. I did not watch NXT 2.0 or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and we did SummerSlam on the show too, which was something. But anyway, uh, let's get to the next match, which is A Block Yujo Takahashi defeating Kota Ibushi in 11:31 with the Big Juice. Did not realize that was his new finisher's name. I was stunned when I juice. heard that. Oh, when I when I, when, I,
0: when I think Joel from um, the Super JCast tweeted the script, the screenshot of the result. I was I was like Big Juice. Oh, this is going to be a good, this is going to be a fun three weeks.
1: Huge, huge with the big juice. <laughs> it's like, it's okay. good. It's. You won, beats Ibushi at eleven thirty-one with the big juice. Uh, match started off pretty dull, so usual was choking Ibushi with his pimp stick at ringside, all that kind of nonsense. He was beaten, Coda down through the five-minute call. usual uh, ends up hitting a low blow on Ibushi after he avoided the Kamigoe. He hits the pimp juice, Coda kicks out, Usual then hits a second implant DDT, which is the I guess the big juice, and that gets the pen. First of all, this crowd completely forgot they were a COVID crowd, as they would throughout the two nights, but they forgot it for sure here, because it got a huge reaction. Just a huge surprise audible reaction from the crowd. Um But yeah, I was so I okay, I got this is the only match of the two shows. Uh, that I got spoiled on before I watched it. Because I was catching up with all this stuff again. Because I just got back from vacation. Um, I ha- So I knew that Yuzo won. I saw, th- I saw that because I guess. Somebody had to tweet it because it was like what the fuck. But I had no idea how. So in my brain. I was thinking okay. So obviously evil came out or something. Lots of house of torture shenanigans. Show came out. Something like that. Yuzo just kind of beat him. He hit a low blow sure. But they just hit two straight DDTs. And he fucking beats him. First of all, I was like, maybe this bodes well for his matches in the G1 not having a lot of interference. Uh, Because if he's not going to use interference to beat Kota Ibushi, uh, then I guess who are you going to use it to beat, right? Um, Ibushi losing this, of course, doesn't mean anything. Uh, He lost his first matches in the last two years, too. and Of course, he won both tournaments. Uh, It could just be setting up a run later where he beats people like Naito and Shingo and wins the block on tiebreakers. But uh, we'll have to see. But yeah, the match itself, I thought it was just like barely above average. I went two and three quarters here. But the finish was so stunning, I was just like, wow. <laughs> just low blow, two to each easy wins. Okay. Yeah,
0: I was probably about the same as you, except I went I went the three just because of the the audible reaction of the crowd. Um I I do think like if if you blowed him. Uh, and they wrestled for a couple more minutes afterwards, I'd say that's that's pretty clean. But the low blow directly did leave to the finish. So I don't think it's as maybe as, as clean as what you or or what our uh our overlord Joe Lanza said on his instant reactions. Um but I think it does it also does a good job of establishing Yujiro as a guy that can maybe beat your Naitos or your your your, uh, Shingos in this tournament that can ca- cause a spoil, but other other than that, it was a it was just a uh, fine eleven minute match, I suppose.
1: Uh, the the all time record, by the way, Yujiro Takahashi. He already has an all time winning record against Tetsuya Naito. I think most people know that. He now also has an all time winning record against Kota Ibushi. Um, they were on. one. Of-
0: Th- that reminds me, have you have you seen the, you probably haven't, but did you see the like little interviews they did with the, the G1 guys? No. So they they, they they interview like all of them uh, and ask, and it was just like questions like, who are you looking forward to facing? And when they got to Naito, he's like, he's like Shingo, abushi at, you know, at 82 club sort of thing. Um, Yujiro Takahashi, you're probably wondering if I'm excited to face him. The answer is no. <laughs> uh, um, but it's good for him. He can be in the ring with Tatsuya Naito.
1: <laughs> That's like awesome.
0: Very good stuff.
1: Uh, but yes, the so Yujiro now has a winning record against Kota Ibushi because they were they were tied at one and one uh, going into this one. I have I have all the records. In, like let me just open that docs. I, I can't remember what the matches were. I went through this all on the the preview episode. But let's see. I know Yu, Yujiro Yujo inexplicably has a win over Kota. So, uh, last year, okay. So, Koda Ujiro beat him in the 2013 G1, uh, August eighth, 2013, and then Koda beat him last year in the G1, uh, in 2020. So that was their one and one, and now it is uh, a <laughs> one zero or two one Yujiro. So Looking
0: forward to the the briefcase challenge at the power struggle
1: uh match number three on this show also of course in the a block uh the great okan defeated tanga loa in 1745 with the eliminator now this was the match i was talking about that i figured we were probably going to disagree with on here because you didn't like anything on the undercard i thought this was quite good um okay uh, Jado, looking very jacked came out with a cameo tanga loa uh Tonga loa was wearing a control your narrative shirt uh I, isn't that like EC3's whole thing in Ring of Honor? <laughs> I hope they're not please keep him as far away from New Japan as possible. Uh the match started with a long lockup, went to a stalemate when they backed up in the ropes. Uh okan was hitting some shoulder blocks on Tongaloa, but he came back with a nice uh explosive short range sh- short range spear. Wow, try to say that three times fast with uh, my particular speech impediment. Uh <laughs> But he hit that big spear to cut him off. They looked a, looked like a very cool uh, spear. It just got very good, uh, you know. Just really came through on it. And this was a very entertaining power battle. They just ran to each other repeatedly, like two big bulls. And they kind of went back and forth at the end, including Jado very briefly getting involved before Okan finally put Tonga away with the eliminator for the pen. And this is one where, like, I guess you and everybody else did not like it that much because Grapple only had a 2.77 uh, as I was, you know, doing my rating. Lower than they had Ibushi Yujiro at because they had that at 3. Uh, but I thought this was a super fun power battle. I thought it was a good sign for both guys' tournaments. I thought they worked surprisingly well together. Uh, I went 3.5 stars in this. I thought it was good. I mean,
0: I, I could, like, I don't think 3.5 a half's out of... Like, I don't think you have being ridiculous with that one. Um, I was higher than Grapple. I went. I went the Gentleman's Three again. Um, I wasn't a huge fa- like. What, what sort of turned me off actually was when uh, Tungaloa started to do his community theater. Um, probably in the, about in the middle, you know. That wasn't that wasn't good, you know. There's other places I can watch that, you know. Mid mid match promos can fuck off. Um, but I I do think Okan is. Is very interesting to to just to watch, just the way he moves, his move set, the way he looks. I I, like. I'm I'm really like. He might not ever be a big big star, but he is. He definitely is going to be a, a big ish name for a long time. I think just because he's so different. Um, and I I am I do think he's going to have better matches in this tournament. I think that's. I think Tangelo is probably going to have better matches in this tournament. But I think this was just a good solid. Uh, second G one match on night
1: one. Yeah, I, I thought it was good. Uh, apparently, I liked it more than everybody else. But I thought it was good, good match. And I'm I'm usually the high person on Ocon, and I like Tonga too. So not really surprised I enjoyed this. Uh, a match I did not enjoy. On the other hand, oh, can, was, we just skip number, just, can we just get match number four? Toriano defeats Kenta in 1107 with quote the whole roasted Kenta. Okay. I guess that's some kind of pun, but look, this was horrible. This uh, was—I am not the type of person who comes on here and says all Toriano matches are war crime, and I were you know blah 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 blah. But this was this one was fucking awful. Uh, The only good thing about it was Kenta's big long entrance. I was just about Uh, to say
0: that the, the, the the match highlights started and ended there.
1: Yeah, the big long and the big long introduction of the ring announcer to parody Yanos. One of them was that he likes Yoshihashi. That was funny. <laughs> uh, but yes, the match starts with a very long stall session. Uh, both guys refuse to stay in the ring with each other. Yano eventually just starts walking out, and Kenta's throw it obviously, demands the ref start counting. Uh, they fight to the top of the ramp eventually. Kenta tries to tape Yano to the staging the same way he beat him last year. He eventually does do this, but Yano Gets himself free this time and beats the count. Uh, Kenta tosses Yano under the ring after taping his hands together to try to get him counted out again. Then, uh, But Yano gets back and low blows Kenta with his hands still taped. He rolls Kenta up. Kenta kicks out. The crab did react big to that. Like, oh, they couldn't believe he kicked out of the, uh, the deadly low blow roll up. But then Yano hits a second punk kick, low, br- low blow, and very awkwardly rolls him up into another cradle for the pen. Uh, I thought this was excruciating. It was not funny at all. It was way too long for a match built entirely around rolling in and out of the ring and taping each other. Uh, You know, this was... Like, one of those matches where, like, I see the time, 11.07. It felt like 11 hours. I mean, it really did. Like, that fucking Chase and Yano match from MetLife may have felt shorter than this. I mean, this felt excruciating. Uh, I gave it half a star. Uh, Hopefully, this ends up being one of the worst Yano matches of the tournament. If it doesn't, we're on a lot of trouble. Yeah,
0: I, I, I went two, and only because I thought. And, and isn't this just such a fucking indictment on Yano that his opponent is the funnier person in the match? Like, <laughs> K- Kenta was Kenta is so much like his entrance, and then just him trying to out Yano. Yano is funnier than any of Yano's antics, so that's why I gave a two, only. For solely because Kenta is is funny now.
1: Yeah, I just I I don't want to
0: talk about this him. match anymore. It's done. <laughs> so, and you know what? I looked. I looked up in during the match. I I had to look up how many more post intermission matches Yano gets. He gets four more. Jeez. Like wow. you can cop Yano if it's the opener, right? Because that's yeah. But when it's the the third last match on the show, fuck off. Seriously. Do you have... Like, Naito can be in an opener. Shingo can be in an OP. You don't have to... Like, just get Yano. Like, I'm just... This is... Yeah. Especially in the... Where the crowds can't even laugh. You know? Yeah. Sometimes their enjoyment can shine through. You know? But this... When... when A light applause is the... uh, is what you get after the big punchline then um, it's just it can uh, night over zack saber jr
1: yeah so the semifinal of the evening was zack saber jr defeating titsuya naito in 2705 with i guess a new hold the yes i am a long way from home uh i thought it was the orienteering from napon death i thought was that still. wasn't that the isn't it the same hold I don't know. Maybe it is. It looked exactly the same, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, now it's... If it is the same, it's got a new name now. Uh, So, okay. So this match, it starts out with the typical Zack versus Naito mat wrestling stuff. I did not think it was, like, their most exciting work in that genre. Uh, I thought, especially comparing it directly to last year's uh, G1 match, the the mat wrestling in that one, I thought that was way more fun than mat wrestling here. I just thought they, they did more interesting stuff than they did here. Um... We got like this long stranglehold sequence that Naito finally breaks just before the 10 minute call. And then everything really picks up from there. There's uh, some really good action from the 10 to 15 minute mark, a great dragon suplex at one point. Uh, Naito hits some really hard elbows to Zack in the corner, which Zack sells like absolute death. And then Naito hits him with the Esperanza out of there. Uh, But, as Naito's getting ready to charge out of the corner, Zack hits this amazingly well-timed uh, counter basement drive kick, which Naito just goes—Naito just goes fucking flying for it. Uh, just really takes a great bump, and then Zack immediately locks him, locks on a leg lock. Naito makes the ropes, but Zack makes him pay by repeatedly driving his knee to the mat, and then Naito like gets his brilliant counter of a knee breaker from Zack. By just reversing the momentum in midair and just spiking him on his head with a det, uh, that was just after the twenty minute call. Uh, if anything, I promise that that looked way cooler that I maybe made it sound there. I mean, it just looked really, really cool the way they pulled it off.
0: So it helps that Zach sells dets maybe better than anyone.
1: Yeah, like he's like his neck is breaking every time, and you get you can buy it too because his neck is like a stack of dimes. <laughs> uh, Zack ends up hitting a sunset flip power bomb off the top for a two count, uh, but just when it looks like he has this match well under well under control, Naito suddenly hits a destino out of nowhere. Uh, it was a very unique destino setup. Like basically, it was sort of between a running and a counter destino. Like he ducked Zack coming in and then just sort of hit it from a standing position. Like no wind up, but uh, not the traditional running version either because it was a very short run. So it looked very cool, but he couldn't cover him. Uh, Zach hit a spinning DET off the middle turnbuckle, then held onto him and lifted him back up for the Zack driver, but Naito counter at the last second hit Valencia. That looks so awesome. He then went for the wind-up Destino, but Zach counters in the European clutch for a very close 2.9999 count, and again, drawing gas out of the crowd. And we get the 25-minute call. They're trading strikes. Zack goes after Naito's leg again. He sweep kicks Naito and then hits a very unique double stomp to the leg. That looked brutal. And Naito sold it like his leg was broken. Uh, Zack went for the Zach driver again, but Naito hit a sloppy counter Destino in midair. Not his best counter one. Looks like he just kind of fell down, but what are you going to do? And then Zack takes Naito down into the what I thought was the orienteering and an Apalm death. Maybe it was. Whatever. Uh, Naito struggles for a while. Finally, has no choice but the tap, and Zach gets his first win on him in quite a while. Uh, I believe that's his first win since the 2018 G1. Let me just confirm that. Yes, they thought beat him three three matches in a row after that. The uh, Power Struggle 2018 G1 2020 and Summer Struggle in Osaka a couple months ago. Uh, so yeah, this was awesome. I didn't like it quite as much as their G1 match from last year. I went four and a half stars on, uh, mostly due to the, the you know the kind of. More boring or opening ten minutes, like I said, but everything after that absolutely fucking rocked. Pretty amazing final stretch. Maybe if they really nailed that counter. Destiny would have gone, you know, the four and a half anyway. But it went four and a quarter. Uh, yet another awesome match between these two, which they can pretty much do in their sleep at this point. So you know, and yeah, I'll watch I mean, it. I'm, not, I'm not complaining. I'll watch it every single time. These two are so great.
0: No, this this is this is great. This is like like Naito has had now the third most notebook matches this year behind Tanahashi, uh, not Tanahashi, Omega and Shingo for me personally, except for Naito doesn't, he he just seems to stay at the four, like all his, and I think that's just because of, you know, he's having more mid-card sort of feuds rather than those big, long epic ones. But so he's had a really consistent year just in terms of being great, not wrestler of the year sort of stuff, but just every time he has a match worth watching, it's great. I only went four on this, so a little bit less than you, mostly because of that 10 minutes. But I think... And I'm not the biggest fan of knee-based matches, regardless of how good someone is at selling them or how good someone is at doing that offense. But I thought this was probably one of... And Naito's great at the selling anyway. But this is... This was probably one of Naito's best matches against Zach in terms of that selling. Like, I... Maybe that New Japan Cup 2018 match where um, he also tapped him out to the orienteering of Napalm Death to really put Zach over. And I thought this was just as good as as selling against Zach. And it's actually made me think, maybe Zach is coming out of this block. Mm. So Because then you don't have to burn through a, a... Well, assuming Okada wins the B block. But you don't have to burn through an Okada, Shingo, Okada, Naito, Okada, a Bushi match, and he's a credible enough opponent to beat in a final. So it's just a little got me thinking a little bit. Probably after you know next two nights, uh, a block nights, will I'll look like an idiot. But yeah, another (laughs) just yeah, just this great. This is yeah, I'm liking. I'm this feud can uh, continue. Oh, not feud, but they can have as many matches as they want these two.
1: Yeah, I agree for sure. All right, so the main event was Shingo Takagi defeating Tomohiro Ishii in 27-56 with The Last of the Dragon. Uh, here's why I have to eat some crow, because if you listen to my preview podcast on the Patreon, again, patreon.com slash uh, you will know that I kind of shaded this main event. I said this wasn't that big of a deal to me because, you know, as great as their first two matches were, uh, you know, the match in the 2019 G1 and then the never-open-weight title match uh, from Cork and Hall in February 2020, I didn't feel the same thing in that September 2020 G1 match. If anything, I felt like they had become pretty repetitive in that match, and it was like, oh, you know, I don't know if I'm really that excited to see these two again. Uh, well, they made me look stupid because they had an absolutely incredible match uh, here. You know, just absolutely delivered here. Uh, I think this is probably their best match to date. I think it's probably even better than the 2019 G1 match. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go through it here, obviously. But th- these two, you know, they, had it, they took it another level here. Uh, totally made up for the G1 match from last year. They just didn't think was anything special. So they started out running into each other. Elbowing each other in their faces right from the opening bell. No surprise there. Uh, at one point, they just start doing these repeated backdrop suplexes, just dropping each other right in their heads. Before Shingo pops up and just fucking kills Ishii with a sliding lariat to finally like win that exchange. Just really crazy sequence. And then these two just keep taking each other's heads off with lariats, like really some of the hardest lariats to ever see. Uh, they start headbutting each other at one point. That I can always live without in a post Shibata world. Uh, I can always have to say that. But Shingo finally gets the Made in Japan out of nowhere. But Ishii kicks out just before the 20-minute call. And the crowd, as this match builds, just forgets more and more that they're a COVID crowd. They are loudly gasping as Shingo gets dropped on his head with a German suplex, only to pop right up and nearly take Ishii's head off with another super hard lariat for a two-count. Uh, Ishii, he counters the last of the dragon from Shingo at one point with a crucifix bomb. Uh, you know, Ishii, I'm not trying to fade him or anything, but like, he does not exactly come up with a lot of new moves, you know? I mean, he's just, you know, he kind of has a formula that works for him and he never really, you know, uh, strays from it much. So to see him do a, this very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like this very, uh, God, this very specific counter, right? uh this very contextual counter that you you know really it worked here because it was a counter for the last of the dragon it's not the kind of thing he usually does he doesn't usually adapt his style a lot to the other guy so it was a, it was a very cool and natural counter uh ishi and shingo they ended up colliding so hard on a layered exchange that it sounded like two shotgun blasts went off and then shingo fell into red shoes which bumped him and at first, I was like, why are they doing a ref bump in this match? I think it was actually inadvertent, though. Because Red Shoes did not even stay down for very long. I think it was he was kind of like, well, if Shingo knocked into me. I had to at least, you know, sell it. And then he got right up, though, and then pretended to, to, you know, was ready to count when Ishii hit a power bomb right after that. Uh, Shingo drops Ishii on his fucking head with a pumping bomber. I mean, like, he hits his pumping bomber. and Ishii comes straight down on his head, gets a huge reaction from the crowd, Ishii kicks out again. We get the 3 minutes remaining call while they're both on the mat. Ishii hits the throat chaps. Shingo hits the punch. They both hit some more brutal headbutts on each other. And the last one finally stunned Ishii enough to let Shingo hit last the dragon for the win. So incredible match. I had my doubts after the duo match last year. uh, But they came back this time with their best match yet. And the Osaka crowd helped a lot, you know, reacting even when they're not supposed to here. I went four and three quarters. Uh, it is my number two match of the year right now, only behind Naito versus Ibushi from New Beginning. So G1, off to a great start with this one. This was an incredible match.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to take a lot of beating to um, to tip this for a match of the tournament. Um, I, I went four and a half on it, and I, I was similar to you. I, I, I'm maybe not as harsh on, on this upcoming one as maybe you you, you might have been, but I definitely thought they were starting to have maybe some diminishing returns with each other.
1: I definitely think they did last year, yeah.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. And like it was still a great match, but I think what makes things like Okada Tanahashi or Okada Omega or Naito Omega so great is that they always build on their matches, whereas I think Shingo and Ishii weren't. They were just having meat slappers every time without really adding a new wrinkle. But this time, I felt like they sort of did... uh, some more wrinkles, just with sort of the intensity that headbutt spot at the very end. Um, that was that was like stand and pace sort of stuff, and I loved how sh- there was no. You know how there's usually like a, a made in Japan pumping bum a uh, pumping bomber, then last of the dragon like that sort. Of, that's the sort of sequence with, with Shingo's finish. This time it was just headbutt, 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 stun up, last of the dragon. Like I love, I love that sort of part of it. It was yeah. Very it's gonna take a lot of beating, I think, to, to, to beat this match of the match of the tournament.
1: Uh so there you go. So the standings in the A block after night one, very simple obviously. Six way tie for first, Shingo Takagi, Z S J, Toriano, Great O'Khan, Yujiro, uh they all are one and for two points, and a six or sorry, it's a five way tie for first, not a six way. So uh, you can get some th- points
0: too, maybe. What did you say? you can get some points. Oh, they, there them, you uh, go. a six-way tie.
1: Uh, a five-way tie for last. Tomohiro Ishii, Tetsuya Naito, Kenta, Tongalo, and Kota Ibushi all 0-1 for zero points. The next night of the G1 for the A block, which we might as well preview now before we get to night two, uh, is night three on Thursday, September 23rd from the Oda War Gem. So no non tournament match since it's in Tokyo. Uh, you have both 1-0, Toriyano. And the great Okan, uh, one-on-one in the opener. Uh, I would assume Okan wins that, but I have guess to. who the fuck knows. What the well,
0: Yano, didn't Yano beat Okan in the New Japan Cup, which really pissed he me beat off. A,
1: he beat him, yeah, in the New Japan Cup. Yeah, yeah he has got one, a he's weird, one he's winning one, back. He's one and Uh Then we have match number two, a first-time-ever singles match. Kenta at zero points against Yujo Takahashi at two points. I would assume uh. Kenta wins that.
0: Bullet Club War.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so one, one guy's going to tell the other one, you lay down for me, sir. And the other guy's going to be like, okay, I'll lay down for you. And then he's going to roll Kick them out, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah you got to do all that. Uh, match number three. Another first ever singles match. This is one I'm excited for that like no one else on Earth might be excited for, but I'm into it. Uh, and they're both 0-1-1 here, so I assume Naito will get his first win. Uh, Tetsuya Naito Versus Tonga Loa, uh, I just think Loa tossing Naito around and Naito selling for him could be a really entertaining match. So I'm yeah,
0: I, I I like that. I like not that they're the same person, of course, but I like Naito versus Tamatonga from a couple of years ago, um, and I think this probably can, has a chance to be better.
1: Uh, the semi-main event; these two always have amazing matches with each other. Uh, Kota Ibushi and Tomohiro Ishii both Owen one at this point. I would expect Ibushi to win. But who knows? Um, is she? You no, see, Ibushi it, starts. on one too. No, I
0: th- oh. no, I think Ibushi probably wins this. Uh,
1: it, I mean, it should be incredible though. Either way, I mean, yeah, they always, always haven't one. No, I think
0: it. there's going to be an upset in the main event though.
1: Oh, okay, there you go. So the main event: Shingo Takagi versus Zack Sabre Jr. They're both one to zero. You think Zach's winning, huh?
0: I well, uh, only if Zack, <laughs> like, if my if my theory is correct. Like, I think this is one of the matches Shingo drops.
1: And their all-time record is actually 1-0 Shingo, but it, it was a match that went 9 minutes and 27 seconds in WXW in 2009. So uh, mm. it may as well have be that one. Of-
0: what? I'm sorry? Can't say I've seen that one.
1: Yeah, it was the semifinals of the 16 carat gold tournament in 2009. I'd never seen it either. So uh, I think for most people, it'll be their first time seeing these two wrestle, but they have had a match before. So there you go. That's night three in the A block on Thursday, September 23rd. Uh night two of the G1, the B blocks night, was from today, uh, Sunday, September 19th, also in the Ideon Arena, Osaka. Uh the opener, your non tournament match, was Sho defeating Kosei Fujita in 809 via referee stoppage with the uh whatever, the snake bite. I thought this was a, like quite a bit more boring than the opener. Mm-hmm from the previous night, maybe because they went longer or whatever, even by like two minutes, but it was a lot of choking from show was fairly boring. Uh, Fujita did get to show off some nice fire as he finally got some offense, but didn't last very long. And then show had a couple of decent looking deadlift Germans and then put him in the new snake bite. And that was it. Uh, I just, yeah, I don't know. Show's heat period here was just so boring. Uh, I only went two and a quarter. I thought it was a below average match.
0: Yeah, I wasn't, Loving Show's offense in this. And I thought, was it just me or did Fujita get more than Oywa as well?
1: He kind of did, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, like, I don't know.
1: But yeah, the show, show, I mean, the whole thing with Show, and one of the reasons why I hate him joining is because, or joining the House of Torture slash Bullet Club is because, pre, you know, before this, he had like this kind of almost like shoot style offense where he would do a lot of like, you know, grappling and stuff. And now it seems like. We're totally going to move away from that. It's just going to be choking people. And it's just not, you know, we have enough fucking, you know, uh, boring heels in this company. You know, we don't need to make show into one, too. So.
0: Yeah. Have uh, you noticed that there's a big emphasis on the uh, House of Torture t shirts going on, like with the actual <laughs>
1: guys in it? I guess they're trying to sell some t shirts.
0: Well, I've also got a bit of a headcanon theory as well that, you know, how Nido and Bushi always wear their t shirts? Sure. I'm thinking. My, in my head canon, that Evil is making House of Torture how he wanted L.I.J. to turn out.
1: Hmm. There you go. Uh, match number two, the first B-block match of the tournament, Evil defeats Yoshihashi in seventeen fifteen with the Evil. Uh, it was a pretty typical, you know, what, you, what you'd what imagine from these two here. Evil beat him down uh, with plenty of help from Dick Togo. Yoshihashi did his usual fiery comebacks and his Hope Spots. Uh, simple but effective. and red shoes at one point he slapped evil in the face when he had a hold of evil had a hold of him and tried like a block a German suplex or something. and that set Yoshihashi uh, damn near pinning him just before the 15 minute call. and Yoshi does get a visual pin on evil while Togo's distracting the ref, but that leads to a low blow from evil followed by the sto for the pen. Uh, I thought this was pretty fun for what it was. I went three and a half stars on it. These two have a good chemistry together. Uh, their match from last year's G1 was quite good as well. So, you know, it really works out. You know, she, the big underdog against the evil evil man.
0: Yeah, I went. I went three and a half too. I, I I can deal with the the leg sweeping under the rope and and some of the interference. But my my issue with Dick Togo is that it's. Like Yoshihashi, you know, he he sort of he fights hard to get back on top, and then Dick Togo is the one that puts the fire out, right? And then mm-hmm. Yoshihashi fights back up to get, you know, and then it's again, and it's then it's again. Like it's 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 either maybe just do the little leg sweeps that distract the ref, sort of stuff, and then to get the advantage, and then Yoshihashi fights back, and then Dictogo Togo does the big interference to lead to the finish. Like it's just it's it's a constant like build up. Interference, build-up interference. Like, it's just, it's a little too much for my liking. But I also thought this was the best the Butterfly Lock has ever looked, funnily enough. Uh, it, it look, maybe because Evil sold it pretty well, but, you know, but the Butterfly locks is a pretty dull shit um, submission finisher, and I thought this one, it was like, is he going to win with it? I was not convinced, but I thought there was a good chance. But yeah, three, three three and a half, and I, I don't need three lots of Dick Togo interference, big interference spots. It's it's a little too much.
1: There you go. Uh, the next match, match number, th- number three, was Jeff Cobb defeating Chase Owens in 12-11 with the Tour of the Islands. Uh, the match started out really fast here. Chase kicked Cobb to the floor and tried to follow him out there only to get sent absolutely flying with a gigantic overhead belly to belly. And that landing just looked really nasty for Chase Owens. Uh, I, th- I think, you know, this match was surprisingly good. I mean, these two worked really well together. Chase worked well as the underdog, which of course is not a role he typically plays in New Japan because he's always the heel in the match. But here he just really, you know, ended up being the underdog here against the bigger heel, Jeff Cobb. And Cobb, of course, eventually hit toward the islands to put him away. Uh, I went three and a half on this as well, and you know I thought Chase did a good job here, just like trying to hang with Cobb, but getting beaten in the end as you would expect.
0: John, we're on the same wavelength for this one. I'm also three and a half. Um, I, I Chase is a guy that I always thought he was sort of overrated because he would have good three minute closing stretches and get pinned, but I thought. He, everything else he does is sort of just, you know, average. Like, you know, solid, but nothing special. And I thought he showed some pretty good fire here against Cobb. I do kind of wish, though, Cobb just beat him in four minutes, though. Like, I think Cobb establishing... Like, yeah, he's already beaten Okada, sure. But, like, just establishing Cobb as this sort of monster that can just devour people. In this tournament, especially if Ricardo's going to beat him at the end um, to get to get through, I, I just I, I wouldn't mind sacrificing one good match or a pretty good match for a to to get Cobb even more over. If you know what I mean, mm. but it's not a not a huge gripe at all. It's just a mm. little preference of mine. Uh,
1: the then we had Sonata and Tamatanga. So Sonata defeated Tama Tonga in 1904 with the O'Connor Bridge. Um, so Tama, like, basically they did, like, lots of posing. Tama showed off that he was surprisingly jacked, and he convinced Sonata to pose on the top rope right after he had done that. That was pretty funny. And then he, of course, attacks Sonata from behind. Cause... Sonata
0: falls for that sort of stuff a lot. Have you, have you noticed? Like, I, think, he...
1: yeah. I think his, like, gimmick, he's, like, he's, he's got more... Uh, more looks than brains, I think, is the idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like, okay, he's a little too into himself, I guess. He's, he's a he's himbo like, for sure. He is a him, that is for sure. Uh, then we had, so Sonata, you know, Mash got, I thought it got a little dull during Thomas' heat segment. You know, not really surprising, but I thought it did get pretty dull for a little bit. But then Sonata made a nice comeback. He hit planches on both Tama and Jado in rapid succession. Uh, they went back and forth with some pretty good action. And then Tama busted out a uh, double under pile driver, which I guess is a J driller, right? Isn't that yeah, no, J-driller it was. Right?
0: A, it, I looked exactly like the J driller.
1: And uh, yeah, that was quite the new setup move for him. I was like, where the fuck did that come from? Yeah, the
0: J driller setting up a, uh,
1: st- uh, what okay, is a stun yeah. gun. Yeah. Yeah. It shouldn't be the other uh, way around. And then they trade. Oh, after that, Sonata. So I didn't love Sonata's counter, the gunstone and the skull end. They just kind of fell down together, it felt look like instead of doing the move. It was like cool, one of those...
0: in theory, I think.
1: Y- yeah. Like, it's one of those counters that didn't doesn't look impressive or even like make much sense in like uh, if this was real kind of way.
0: Tama's head was on the wrong side of Sonata's body for the to get the underhook. If you know what I mean. Like, cause they fell yeah. down and then Sonata had to Reach around to put him under rather than just falling. Like, I think if that was if they fell like that, it would have been a lot cooler. But yeah, a lot of people actually liked it in real time on the slack.
1: Yeah, I didn't think it looked very cool. So, uh, then we got the after they kind of just traded finisher attempts a couple more times, and then Sonata got the pin with his O'Connor roll. I I thought this was pretty good, but judging by the grapple rating, I definitely seem to be the low person on this one. I went like three and a quarter. Oh. Uh, some of the counters toward the end just look a little too goofy for me, and Thomas' heat segment was pretty boring. But other than that, there's plenty of fun action too. So three and a quarter.
0: I um I really like this. Um, I'm probably higher on Sonata uh, than
1: uh, I like Sonata though. Yeah, like, I mean, is, is, yeah,
0: I like you know Lij sort of connection, obviously, yeah. but I, th- these are two guys that I think are really athletic, They often sort of get lose themselves in matches a little bit, like they get lost. Um, or just with their sort of match layouts, I think can, they're not the best at setting out a match for themselves. But this was surprisingly really good. Um, someone said that they've got really good chemistry together. I don't know. I can't really remember them having good matches before. I mean, some of the uh, Sonata Evil, Girls of Destiny matches were, were okay. But yeah, I can't really remember them ever having good matches. But I thought this was really good. Probably... I don't know the best singles Tama 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 Tonga match I have seen in a long, long time, um, and I, I really the O'Connor role is such a good finisher for Sonata because it just suits his lazy ass personality so well. But yeah, I thought mm. I, yeah, I'm I'm am I'm a bit higher than you. What was the grapple rating for it?
1: It was like three point six one. Right, so, so I, I was a
0: little I'm a little higher than that too. So I guess we're, that is in, that's in the middle of
1: us. Well what so you gave three and a three, quarter. Three, three, three and three seven five. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh that's definitely higher than I was, so yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh but you know you're the, the the average is closer to you though, so you know. What do I know? Just in any Again, idea.
0: I think it's because I was expecting <laughs> some some dirt really and got yeah. Something pretty good. Like something pretty fun.
1: Uh Matt semi main event was Taichi defeating Hiroki Goto in eighteen thirty with the Black Mephisto. This I loved. Uh, you know, it started a little bit slow. Tai Chi was choking Goto with a camera cable at ringside, among other things. So, uh, unsurprisingly, he was in total heel mode. I, I saw some kind of funny tweets that were like, oh, why can't we get G1 tai Chi all the time? Uh, this may have been the most heelish slash most like old Tai Chi. I've seen him wrestle in like three or four months. Honestly. Yeah, a lot, like, of, a lot of people are like, telling
0: on themselves here. Like,
1: his... <laughs> like a lot of people were like, not or basically, you may as well have said, I haven't watched New Japan in months, so yes. I don't really know. He, he was Naito.
0: Wrestling... Its summer struggle was as G one hundred percent clean as G one tighty as you as you'd like. You know, like, yeah, like, like this was still fought, good,
1: but like this, I know. still love this a lot. But the early parts of this match, he was completely. Like his old oh, himself. he was
0: he was junior Tai Chi again, yeah. And like, fine, Godot's a good foil for that, but yeah, yeah, a lot of lot of people dobbing on themselves.
1: <laughs> it's like if you want to see Tai Chi wrestle a clean fight, uh, you got to go all the way back to like a month ago. Yeah, when he was fitting that I Maybe Naito they meant they wish they
0: could see best of the super Juniors Tai Chi everywhere. <laughs>
1: It was just very bizarre, very bizarre takes from people who clearly were not watching New Japan, so that's fine. And but... also,
0: you know, you, I think a lot of the thing is about like those, you know, the the those European and, and American fans that you were talking about that maybe are a bit down on this G one. These are the people that still they don't watch it. They don't watch it enough, uh, as much as they used to, but they they just think that Okan and Tangaloa and Taichi suck. Just yeah. because of reputation and probably a little bit of Grove Melsa. Um but, but
1: Taichi one is the one that's the most egregious to me though. It's right, like, because he's if you
0: were- more than anything, and I mean, sure, if you don't like dangerous techers, you probably don't give you know, you probably don't like him as much, but I think they have the, the, been the they the being the best tag team in New Japan in a long, long time. And a lot of it is to do with him and his newfound babyface spirit.
1: Yeah. I don't know, like the the Tai Chi takes are the ones, and I hear, like, there are a lot of people who will tell you, like, Tai Chi's still not good. Like, that will come up even, like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I should call them out. Like, in the Voice vs. Flagship, they'll sometimes say, act like Tai Chi isn't very good. And I'm just like, these are, like, takes from 2017 or something, or 20 even earlier than that, like, 2016. I'm just like, what are you guys talking about? Like, he is. Like to put him in this, okay, even if you're not as high on Tai Chi as me, okay, which is fine. I, I love Tai Chi. Everybody knows that about me. To mention him in the same breath as like Yujiro and Tamatanga and Toriano and the dregs of the tournament that, you know, you don't know what you're going to get out of some of it. Chase Owens, I'll throw in there too. Like, not to insult these people, but like wrestlers who have not had much of a you know either they haven't been at a high level or you know whatever you want to just call it, like you say the, the bottom of the tournament to even mention Chi in the same breath as them is a fucking joke i mean this is a guy even if you don't love him as much as i do you should at least be able to acknowledge by this point that he is not one of the worst fleshers this tournament if you still think Chi is one of the worst fleshers this tournament i do not know what you're watching no. That's all I can say. He, he, I don't know what 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 promotion you're watching, if you still think Taiji's one of the worst heavyweights in this tournament. it just no. doesn't make any sense. To him.
0: This is a guy that has breathed life into a boring as batshit tag team division, who has just won a semi-main event on the opening night of his block in the G1, who has main events coming up with guys like. Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kazuchika Okada and those are going to be great matches and I, he might not be your cup of tea but you have to uh, acknowledge him yes you have
1: to acknowledge him that's a great way to put it and it's like look where he is on this card he is in the semi-main event against Hiroki Goto I hate to break this to people this match is not the semi-main event because of Hiroki Goto okay hey, this is where Goto is in the opener against Tanahashi <laughs> night four I mean, this is, Taichi is at a higher level than any of these other people we just mentioned. I mean, he is not a low-card wrestler anymore. He might be the, the fifth biggest, I'm sorry that offends you.
0: He might be the fifth biggest name in that block, only behind Tanahashi Okada, Evil, unfortunately, and Sonata. And he's probably closer to, on level with Sonata.
1: Yeah, it's like he, he and Sonata are probably around the same level, and then they're probably right behind Evil. And then obviously Tanashi and Okada, the two big stars, but he's not on. I mean, he is not a. He's not like this fucking job. He's record.
0: going to go five it's and just, four. Yeah, he's going, to have, he's going to have a winning record.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's going to be good. And it's just very. It's very. It's just very insane to me that these takes are still out there. No, I'm they're the Dave
0: 2016 <laughs> sort of takes, but, but yeah.
1: All right, we had a little audio snafu there, so a little bit of an awkward transition here, but we were ranting about taichi and hiroki goto and uh well specifically about taichi and people's takes on taichi being perpetually outdated so uh, i guess we made our point there we can move on to the actual match yeah <laughs> uh you know so he was choking goto like i said at ringside and stuff it was a little bit slow there he was in total heel mode but it really picks up from there and there's this big trading of elbows from goto and leg kicks from taichi which leads up to them uh, trading an Axe Bomber and a Lariat, respectively. Uh, Goto finally gets the better of that. He leaves Taichi down, but then Taichi comes back with an Odoa Otoshi, which he does that move so well now. So he's just a move he started doing uh, pretty recently as like a natural uh, you know, evolution of doing the choke all the time, and it just really, really works for him. Um, there's a great counter sequence. It starts with Goto. So, so Taichi pulls the, the pants off. He goes for a super kick. Goto catches his leg, uh, lifts him straight up onto his shoulders, uh, like I think to go for the uh, Ushigoroshi probably. But Taichi drops down behind Goto, goes for the dangerous backdrop, but Goto counters that with this awesome Shotenkai out of nowhere for a near fall. That was awesome. Taichi comes back, though, with the backdrop suplex he was looking for just before the 15-minute call, and then hits a big standing enzagiri right to the face uh, as Goto staggers back to his feet. Uh, and then Taishi gets that. Uh, Chris Charlton yelled the name of this move. I can't, I didn't catch it. I forget what it, what it is. But it's that, that backdrop-nodawa combo. Where he like, lifts the guy up like a, in a, like a backdrop and then hit the nodawa that Tawa used to do all the time. And it very nearly gets the pin. Goto just barely kicks out. And then Taishi, he puts Goto away very decisively. hits a running form to the face. And then hits the and fist over the completely clean pin. So even with the choking, he'll step at the start. he is still beating guys clean here. And this was an awesome match once we got past the slow start with all the choking. Uh, I would go four stars flat here. I thought they traded lots of hard striking, lots of impact moves to have like a little classic G1 battle. Really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I was a little lower than you just because of the sort of boring choking at the start. You know, the stuff that, uh, you know, people wish they they you would bring to the table uh, every <laughs> every match. But, yeah, I, I went three and s- 3.75, and I think this is probably the fourth best match of the weekend. Um, yeah, I think it was. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna settle with that. It was definitely, and again, Tai Tachi gets a win over.
1: Oh, that's exactly where I have it too, by the way. Fourth, yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, well, so we're not that far apart with that one, yeah. but yeah, there's not that. Um, yeah, it was a clean as a sheet essentially. Like after that ten, that first what was it like 10 minutes or five minutes. Um, right. it, they, he completely went back to um, dangerous Techers mode, which is you know funny, I guess, but yeah, yeah. It isn't, it's just a very very good professional wrestling match,
1: and he got he, the, the, the sumo bowing and all that at the end. That was just I, I love I, I that love little that. part of his
0: gimmick <laughs> now that doing that forearm. <laughs> That sumo, because I just started yeah. watching a show called Hinamaru. Oh, I forgot sumo.
1: That, that. I forgot that was the sumo. That was the illegal sumo forearm. Yeah, that's yeah. why he so does that now.
0: Yeah, I just started watching uh, Hinamaru Sumo, uh, which is an anime, and um, well, I finished it now. But it's um, just seeing like seeing some of those, like he, you know, he dropping down and putting the fist on the on the mat, then rushing for the forearm. It's just, I just love it. I love it. Love it.
1: Love it. Uh, The main event, speaking of things we loved, was Kazuchika Okada defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi in 29-36 with the Rainmaker. I was so glad I went in this unspoiled because these guys, they've had, I think, what, either three, I think? Yeah, three uh, G1 draws before. So, you know, clearly uh, it it was very possible I had another one here, but it did not go the draw. Okada got the win. Uh, The first five minutes, the typical Okada Tanahashi early portion of a match. They did some basic mat wrestling, some some shoulder blocks. They posed at each other. Uh Tanahashi had a really tight headlock on Okada, right as we got the five-minute call. And we stayed in that headlock for a bit after. Okada eventually reversed to his own headlock. This was this is where it started to drag for me quite a bit. Like Okada had his own headlock. He switched to a chin lock, which is even more boring. Uh and that really went on forever. And I did like Okada showing some cockiness doing his old-school one-foot pose in Tanahashi, really uh, recalling uh, old times there. But unfortunately, he went right back to the chin lock after that. But, you know, things picked up from there. Tanahashi came back with his usual offense. He he hits the second rope flip senton. hits his first dragon screw of the match. He tried to lock in the Texas Cloverleaf, but Okada made it to the ropes immediately before Tanahashi could flip him over. Uh, Okada came back and drop-kicked Tanahashi off the top rope to the floor. He tried to hit the running boot to Tanahashi's face on the outside, but Tana caught the boot, dragon screws him again in a nice spot. He goes up top like he's going to hit the high fly flow crossbody to the floor, but he gets cut off by Okada, who teaches he's going to tombstone him off the apron, Uh, but Tanahashi escapes that. It's another dragon screw to send him all the way to the floor, and then finally hits the high fly flow crossbody. Very cool sequence, and that was the first thing in the match that felt like The two of them not just playing the hits. Like, I was a little bit worried up to that point that, uh, you know, it was going to be another G1 Dallas match with them just playing the hits. But they did finally, like, deviate from their own little uh, interesting thing there. Uh, Back in the ring, Tanahashi hit another crossbody off the top, but Okada rolled straight through it into locking in the Money Club. That may have been the coolest entry into a Money Club he ever did. Because everybody knows I hate that move. I think a lot of people hate that move. But it was like the smoothest and coolest he's ever gotten that, that stupid hold locked in, I think. Uh, Tanahashi almost escapes, but Okada hits the neckbreaker, locks it back in, but then Tanahashi finally makes the ropes, and thankfully that was it for the money clip in this match. Uh, Okada and Tanahashi battle over a tombstone before Okada finally spikes him on his head with the spinning tombstone. He uh, he goes to the rainmaker, but Tanahashi ducks it, but then Okada very nearly gets the pin with his... Uh, Big cradle flash pen. That was a great near fall. And he immediately hits the shotgun drop kick as soon as Tanahashi gets back up right before the 25-minute call. Uh, Tanahashi ducks another Rainmaker attempt, and then someone finally counters that stupid, like, spinning lariat that Okada does, the spinning short-arm lariat where he's the one who spins. Which I always think it looks so stupid. It just always looks like the other guy has plenty of time to counter it. And Tanahashi does counter here with a nice sling blade. He then hits a second sling, sling blade. He goes for the high fly throw to the front, but uh, of course Okada gets his knees up because Tanahashi didn't hit the one in the back of the cross body first. Uh, we get the three minutes remaining call. Okada picks Tanahashi back up, hits a big short arm lariat, followed by a second one. He tries another Rainmaker, but Tanahashi ducks, gets the inside cradle near fall, then he drops Okada on his head with a huge release German suplex. He follows up with a dragon suplex hold right after the two minutes remaining call. Kind Okada of kicks out. Now, this next moment in the match, I thought, kind of derailed the momentum of it to me. They traded elbows. I didn't love that with less than two minutes left. It felt like both of them were uh, up to that point were looking for... like they, they really did a great job building up the desperation of the match and the desperation of these two guys to find some way to put the other one away. So for them to go from that to a a pretty standard elbow trading i thought was a a mistake i thought it really broke up the flow of the match in the last two minutes for me so that was the thing that I, i took off points for that i mean it didn't get to this match probably would have been four and a half for me uh whereas instead of what it ended up at if not for this elbow exchange uh okada wins that exchange as we get one minute remaining then he hits tanahashi with a huge drop kick he hits this uh you know, the sit out Michinoku driver, is that a good way to put it from the tombstone position? Chris Charlton calls it the landslide version of the tombstone. I guess that's a reference to Nakamura's old landslide version. Oh uh, yeah,
0: it looks like that. It's more yeah, you're right. It's more of a Michinoku driver.
1: Yeah. Uh more of then a neck
0: pump rather than the head spike, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. And then Okada hits the Rainmaker and then gets the pin with only seconds remaining. So I can already tell him the low one on this match. I thought it was awesome. But I went four and a quarter, not at the match of the year contender level. I'm seeing other people throw around. So I, I, I had a feeling of Okada and Tanahashi. It did have that feeling of them playing the hits at times, though there were enough little twists that I thought it wasn't on the uh, quite on the same level as the G1 Dallas match in 2019. But the elbow exchange down the stretch really annoyed me, and it, it really just kind of hurt the match for me just as it felt like it was building well. And that early portion was, was just really boring. But I still love the match a lot. Uh, but these are my nitpicks for not going even higher. So, still a great main event, though, to cap off a great first two nights of the G1 Climax 31.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Remember when I said um, it's going to take some beating to beat um, Shingo and Ishii for the match of the tournament? Yeah. Yeah, this one did for me. Um, <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, I, I love this. This was definitely better than the Dallas match. I think this was definitely better than the briefcase match they had in 2018.
1: Ooh, I can't agree with that. The briefcase match is like my oh, third okay. favorite match of theirs overall.
0: Oh, man. that For whatever reason, it just, that briefcase, I think I was very annoyed. Not annoyed, but like, I love the fact that Okada beat him at that year's Don Taku to beat the reigns of the defense record and I didn't like how they went back to that match so quickly. Um that's yeah tangent anyway, that's a tangent. But um I actually like the elbows. I could feel the desperation in those elbows, but it's not but they didn't have anything else to really throw at each other at that time. Like they had sort of I felt like they had thrown their their all their bombs at each other and they were just sort of out and they were just trying to just inflict damage to each other at this point and so i that i i actually think elbows helped my enjoyment of the match um but yeah it felt but i think i might be high on it as well because it actually felt like the we are now have got the rainmaker back you know like okada at wrestle kingdom had to bring him out to beat osprey and then he sort of went back into his slump So, this, I I hope, I think it's a great story if they are culminating this one year um, slump of Okada with him becoming the Rainmaker. Well, I guess he's always technically been the Rainmaker in air quotes, but bringing sort of being that persona again without the reliance on the money clip and without the reliance on that, you know, cradles thing he's been doing. Um, And I I think Gran Akuma tweeted as well that a company. Needs a top star like Rainmaker Okada, no more than New Japan does at the moment, and I think it's a great. If we're going to, if crowds are going to come back soon with a full capacity, making noise, uh, Joel has said it as well um, in the Slack that Okada as the Rainmaker Okada as the champion is a great reset button, and I think it's the easy story. He gets his win back in Chicago, uh, from Shingo. On night one of the dome, and then he goes on to beat uh, Osprey.
1: I will say nine. to this: is I'm fine with it as long as it doesn't go on very long.
0: Oh and no, no, it I doesn't need to. <laughs> I mean, the world does
1: not need another long Okada title range. No, no, had I, enough I, of those.
0: No, I mean, I, I'm thinking, you know, New, Jersey, like New six Japan. Six a of but yeah, yeah like, six yeah. months at
1: last, I'm fine with. But but it's a I'm good it, over there.
0: It's a good. I think. yeah, Okay, he's had.
1: Because he's been so
0: dominant for so long, you need to find sort of ways to do things with him um, that don't include him going for the title or being the champion. And, and done a know, horrible job of. The, yeah, yeah, well, the 2018 uh, Red Okada, the Balloon Okada, was, was better than the Slump Okada for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I didn't hate Slump Okada that much, I guess, because. You know, my favorite wrestler was champion during a, a portion of that and another one of my favorite wrestlers is champion now during a portion of it. Like, it's not taking up a big chunk of my emotional investment in the company, but if this is if, – if he is now back and he's going to use the Rainmaker again every match, sign me up. But, yeah, this is – so far, this is my match of the tournament. I think only really Shingo and Naito or Shingo and Ibushi and Ibushi and Naito has a chance at, at topping it. But so far, this is my, my match of the tournament. And I went uh, a high four and a
1: half. There you go. So the B box standings after night two. Okada, Taichi, Sanada, Cobb, and Evil all tied with 1 and 0. And then Tanahashi, Goto, Tamatanga, Chase Owens, and Yoshihashi all tied at 0 and, uh, 0 and 1. Excuse me. So I'm going to give my top five matches of the tournament, which I will do throughout the tournament, eventually expand to a top ten uh, but in fifth place, so I had a lot of matches three and a half. I picked Evil versus Yoshihashi from night two. I just enjoyed, think I enjoyed up the most of the three and a half star matches. I think they have great chemistry together, like I said. Uh, in fourth place, I have Taichi and Goto at four stars, also from night two. Third place, Okada versus Tanahashi, uh, four and a quarter, also from night two. Second place, Naito versus Zack from night one, also four and a quarter. And first place, of course, Shingo versus Ishii from night one at four and three-quarter stars.
0: I think, we, yeah, we've got the same top four, but just in a, in a shuffled order. But I would have had Sonata and Tama as my fifth best match.
1: There you go. Uh, so there's your G1 Climax coverage, folks. Again, we will be covering it throughout the next two weeks on the Patreon, so you don't have to wait uh, for the next free episode if you want to hear me talk. Uh, night three on Thursday, uh, exclusively on the Patreon, you, and of course night four on Friday. Uh, night five on Sunday, night six the following Wednesday, night seven the following Thursday, night eight the following Friday. I guess you get the idea. But all that stuff is on the Patreon uh, for only $5 going forward. So it's patreon.com slash wrestlingomakase. I don't think anyone ever really regrets going for the five bucks. I think there's so much content on there. But uh, I was going
0: to say that night six of the G1 is uh, Shingo Naito in a main event. So if you want to hear a person gush over a wrestling uh a wrestling match, which is no doubt going to be a match of the year contender. Uh, that is, uh I would absolutely sign up for the uh for the uh, wrestling on the Carse, uh,
1: patreon the G1 <laughs> is uh you know rolling on here. Lots of cool stuff coming up. So obviously follow on the Patreon at patreon.com slash wrestling And the other tournament of course we're covering on the Patreon and on this show is the Noah N1 victory. Now I originally planned to do nights two and three of the N1 here. We did night one on the Patreon already. Um, But unfortunately, I did not get to night three. Just ran out of time trying to stuff everything into one day today after my vacation. So just didn't happen. Uh, But yeah, so instead of what we're going to instead of that, what we're going to do is I'll release an episode tomorrow on Monday on September 20th uh, on the Patreon covering nights three and four uh, in one episode. It's only eight matches anyway, so, you know, not that big a deal. But yeah, so that'll be on the Patreon tomorrow, uh, when you know, or could be on there today, man, When you're listening, to this obviously. But yes, we'll cover nights three and four together, and then I'll get through all the no fan shows. So yes, this is from t- uh, yesterday, Saturday, September eighteenth, the Noah Special Arena uh, aired on Wrestle Universe with no fans. Boy, did going to this after those two G one nights was very difficult. Oh. Anyone who anyone who claims that the New Japan, you know, like the New Japan crowds with restrictions uh, are the same thing as having no fans. Should have to watch those two Osaka shows and then watch this back to back to back because, man, it was so tough going from fans making any kind of noise, even if it was mostly clapping, They th- that crowd still managed to sound like they were into everything. They broke the COVID rules more than a few times. They were stomping really loud. There was plenty of noise on that show. Going from that to nothing to no fans making noise, it was really tough. So, you know, yeah. I do think, like, that was a factor here as to why I didn't enjoy a lot of stuff. You know, well, you know, two matches were not great. Two matches I thought were... Uh, there was one match I liked a lot, so, you know. I think we might have the try. same match that we liked yeah. a lot. Um,
0: yeah. And I think I... Well, you've not seen um, Night 3 yet, have you, John?
1: No, I haven't seen Night 3 yet.
0: Um, It was largely boring. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: There, uh, yeah, yeah. without spoiling anything, you can go just tell me. Did I haven't even look at the results yet? No, so.
0: it was. Um, I mean, you can imagine. I I didn't like the main event whatsoever of night three, and you can imagine <laughs> why. But but um, uh, the uh, about last year, I became I got really on Noah. Like I became a real big Noah fan, and then by February of this year, uh, Keiji Mudo won the title, and I can't stand it anymore. It's it's completely gone in a one eighty of what I liked about about the company when I got into it around this time last year. Um, yeah, I
1: mean, go, losing Go Shirozaki was such a big blow for them. I mean, yeah. you know, obviously he'll be back at some point from his injury, but like, man, he was carrying that company. It's very clear in hindsight. I mean, I, I'm not as down on Keiji Widow as some people, but it's just boring. That, That's it's like what, a, like I don't know. It's it's a big. Night, well, he's not champion anymore but
0: yeah i know but it's a big yeah. but he's still on, on a lot of the main events uh yeah. of like the, this tournament but yeah i think it's such a downgrade from shizaki being sort of the first champion that you're when you're following the company mm-hmm. um i do like the four block set out though i think it's I, don't I don't
1: know i don't i don't know if i do i kind of don't like it i don't mind it, it. feels it feels too short
0: it does, it does. But, I mean, I don't mind anything different. I do, however, really like... Now, this is probably the highlight of the show and the N1 tournament. I do like how they put up this wrestler stats on the screen during the match. Mm-hmm. I think it's like... it's, a, it's a They took that from the E2.
1: Did,
0: did they? Yeah. Oh, well. Well, <laughs> well it's uh, the same they, company it, now. Still, so. uh, I guess it is. But, sti- yeah. I mean, I don't mind stealing as long as you're stealing the good parts.
1: Exactly. But uh, but yeah, the the you know the, I'm not I'm not out here to say like everything in Noah sucks or anything. I'm not really that far down on them. But you know, so far this tournament has gotten off to like a eh, a pretty eh start is what I would say. Not like a terrible start because both nights had at least one match. I put it four stars, but like there's a lot of stuff here I wasn't into as we'll get to here again. Uh, the show opened with the D block. Uh, it was Masakatsu Funaki defeating Akitoshi Saito in twelve fifty three. Uh, I thought this match was very boring early. Why too absolutely long. nothing absolutely nothing going on. I mean, they just stand there looking at each other for a while, not in the cool go Fujita way, just a very boring looking at each other. Uh, after a long stretch of nothing, we finally do get something. Uh, Saito pulled the mats up, up the floor and piledri- hit a pile driver on Funaki out there on the floor. That I did not see that coming. It was kind of cool. Uh, but then Saito slowly controlled Funaki back in the ring, Uh, eventually hits an iron claw slam, but Funaki essentially no-sells it and hits a rolling capo kick to put Saito down. Uh, They both got back up. They traded elbows from Saito, open hand slaps from Funaki, and then Funaki finally catches his arm, looking for an elbow, takes him straight down the mat into a triangle, and then gets the arm extended into a cross arm breaker, and Saito has no choice but to tap out immediately. I thought this was really boring a lot of the way. Not like the worst match I've ever seen or anything. A couple of the bumps were cool. But like, like I said, most of this bored me, so I'd be a low average match for sure. I went two and a quarter.
0: Yeah, I went two as well. I shot I up, though, for the pile driver, that's for sure. But I looked, I got a text message in between um, Saito rolling Naki back in the ring, and when I put my phone back down after replying, Funaki was back in control. And I was like, what the, what the fuck? He just got pile driven on the floor. So, and that's sort of like, I was like, Wh- whatever. I love... Saito's got th- cool fan music. I'll say that. I like his theme yeah. song.
1: Uh,
0: yeah, about two two stars.
1: Match two in the C block. Kazuchi Sakuraba defeated Kotaro Suzuki in 1502. Uh, just a lot of mat work here. Not a lot. It was very exciting. Uh, you know, this is where, like, you know, I'm, just, I'm really trying with the N1. It was very tough to go from the G1 with crowds straight to this very dry, empty arena mat work. Just didn't do anything for me, and then uh, Kotaro taps out to an armbar, virtually, virtually right after the fifteen-minute call. Uh, nothing wrong with this one. Nothing I really liked about it either. So I gave it the exactly average rating of two and a half. There you go. <laughs> I
0: was ex- I was exactly two and a half as well. I I usually like Sakuraba as well.
1: Me too. Yeah. Um,
0: I thought he was pretty good in last year's tournament, um, but yeah, it's just it's so dry. It's such a dry environment yeah and yeah it's 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 this there's no this is going to be where the rest of the tournament is until the finals isn't it
1: i I assume so oh no no no. there's a there's night five so there's night three and night four uh which is obviously night three happened today and the night four is tomorrow the no fans the night five is sunday september 26th in corican and you finally get all Everybody from the block, wrestling got one show, so it's an 8 match show, and that'll be in front of fans, and then the okay. finals rolls will be in front of fans. So.
0: Okay, because it's yeah, it's not conducive going from G one, even even not in like even the two Oda City shows coming up. It's you can't watch those before this.
1: Yeah, um, it's really it's really tough.
0: It really kills again. As we we both like Sakuraba, but there's just nothing he can do here. It's out of his control.
1: Uh, match number three was Masaki Mochizuki defeating Daiki and Nava in 1239. Uh, These two finally do bring a little excitement to this lifeless show at this point. (laughs) They hit each other pretty hard. They did some moves of the very slow mat wrestling, which again, it's not like I, I like mat wrestling, but like there is something about really, really slow mat wrestling in these first two matches and the complete lack of any atmosphere at all. In this dark, empty room with no fans, there that just really combines to make it almost unwatchable. It so. feels
0: like a training drill. Like it feels like I'm exactly. watching a wrestlers training, yeah. and I don't want to watch them train. I want to watch them wrestle. Uh,
1: unfortunately, with this match that is otherwise very quite good, uh, Mochizuki kind of screws up the finish. He takes a moment to set himself after leaving the second turnbuckle with a sankaku Gary to the face. Uh, it's unfortunate the finish but yeah I just didn't you know it was kind of an awkward spot uh this was not any kind of blowaway match or anything but uh the first two matches almost came off that way uh but I went three and a quarter you know pretty good uh, couldn't go higher than that especially with the kind of botched finish but a breath of fresh air after the first two for sure
0: yeah I'm probably around that three and a quarter even maybe three and a half just because it <laughs> like you're right it's so much <laughs> it's, it's so much better or at least more it had more life in it than the first two. Um, that it felt probably. If this was anywhere else, it'd probably be maybe a three, maybe even yeah three probably. But just, yeah, it, this 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 show this card definitely needed it for sure. Uh,
1: the main event was in the A block. Kaito Kiyomiya defeated Manabu Soya in twenty five oh seven. This was great. I mean, this was the match that almost saved the show. Uh, well, both it did guys save the show, all, right like. I guess so. You could say that one out of four matches. But yeah, yeah, you could say it saved the show. Uh, both guys go the route here of being louder than usual to try to make up for the total lack of crowd noise. Probably a smart move. Uh, I particularly noticed this when Kaito was struggling to make up the ropes during a Soya Boston Crab. He was like really screaming, which I was like, okay, good. You, you know what you're doing here, trying to make up for the lack of any crowd noise. Uh, that was like right before the 15 minute call. And it just this match has had a lot of really nice action throughout. Uh, there was a moment where, like, Soya got dropped on his head with a German suplex just to pop up and hit a very nice spear. That was a highlight. And they end up fighting the top rope, where Soya hits a nice power slam off of there for another two count just before the 20-minute call. And Kaito, you know, the whole match is basically he's trying to fight from underneath against the bigger Soya, which is like Kaito always excels at that. He's great at being the underdog and fighting from underneath. Uh, to his detriment sometimes as people pointed out during the, the long title reign that didn't really work but this is you know this let him do what he did what he does best and he was really quite good here uh he finally put soya down with some nice drop kicks and then an inverted ddt but soya just barely kicked out before the three count but then kaito pretty quickly after that hits the tiger suplex hold just as we get the 25 minute call and that is finally the pen uh, i thought this was pretty awesome i went four stars flat on it uh, I guess you could say that at least giving us one awesome match per show, uh, but I, I didn't think the you know I, I mean I don't know if this made up for the first two matches or anything or the atmosphere of the show, but maybe just skip to this match honestly. <laughs> maybe just you can watch oh, the this main event. No doubt, time.
0: like don't, don't watch anything else on this card. Like
1: yeah, the semi main like, event you can watch if you feel like it, but the uh, main event is the only thing yeah. you really got to watch.
0: And I'm I'm lower on the main event than you just slightly. I went three point seven five. Um, uh, is this the first time? Um, uh, Kiyomi is showing off his new look.
1: Oh, maybe yeah. I with the so. black
0: hair and the and the yeah. primarily black pants.
1: I think that's true. Yeah, because they, they were on about the uh, the new tights when he came out. Right. Yeah, I like the look. Yeah, but they showed it
0: a they, they showed a picture of him obviously pre look, and I was like, and his hair didn't look as blonde as I pictured it in my head when I saw the new look. So, but yeah, I like the new look. Um, I think I think actually Sawyer was maybe the MVP of this match a little bit. Like I thought he yeah played, Sawyer was great. I thought he played his role um, like to perfection. Like you know, n- you know he wasn't you know he's not doing the stereotypical great you know wrestling epic things that you know we've come to know from you know the the greats of this era. But like he, his his role it was just perfect, and he allowed as you said. Kia to do what he does best. So yeah, really, really good stuff. Really, really good stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, but it's it's Kia What what do you expect, really? There's what like maybe uh, Soy so, so is pretty good too, but I mean, Kia is probably what one of the three best wrestlers in this tournament.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, prob- probably I I'd probably put him number one honestly, but.
0: Yeah, I mean, he probably is. I I like Nakajima just on a personal level more. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, yeah. But j- that's just my personal preference. I mean, those, in terms that, of...
1: it, it, it would be those two and Sugera. Those about the only three.
0: Uh, Kano um, as well.
1: Kano, yeah, Kano, yeah, right I there, like too. Kino. Yeah, um, I like Kano a lot too, but I put him just below those guys. Right. Okay. Um, Vegeta, same thing.
0: But I'm not. I'm not super high on <laughs> Vegeta personally.
1: Um, and Masato and Tanaka too, actually. I forgotten all about him.
0: Yeah, Well, but, I mean, like, there, there is good, there's good matches in this tournament, but it's just about cherry picking them, I, I suppose. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there, there were a few good matches on night three. I'll give you that. I'll give you the heads up. Uh, but there are also a, a couple of ones that I really didn't like that much.
1: So I will cover all that on the Omakase Patreon tomorrow, along with night four. So check that out. Patreon.com slash wrestling Omakase. Uh, a link, of course, in the description. So the standings after the two, first two nights. Everybody had wrestled one match at this point. Uh, A block, you have Kaito at one and over two points. Sugara Muto had the draw; they both had one point, and Soya, of course, has z- zero points. Other blocks are more simple. B block, B block, you have Kendo Katsun and Masaki Mochizuki with the win. Inaba and Kano are both zero one. C block, you have Masato Tanaka and Sakuraba with the win, and Kotaro Suzuki and Nakajima are both zero and one. And then D block. Fujita and Funaki both have the win and Saito and Kinamiya are both zero one one. Uh, so the winner of each block, if people don't know this, how this works for the four blocks, goes to a semifinal. So it's A versus B and C versus D. And then the two winners of those matches, of course, face off in the final. So there you go. So we'll get more into Noah, like I said, on the Patreon tomorrow with nights three and four. All right, Harley. Anything you want to plug or anything for your wrap? Oh,
0: not, 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 not really. I've again, my Twitter is on private. There's no. Po- um, I might see it if you follow it, but I don't really tweet about wrestling, um, at all. Really, um, I don't really tweet that very, much at very, all. Very, so, J- you don't score. need to follow me on Twitter. You don't need to do any of that sort of stuff. Uh, but but do 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 subscribe to the uh, Wrestling on the Patreon. That's my
1: plug. There you go. Uh, so the Patreon will be at patreon.com slash Uh Of course, we'll be covering the G1 and the N1 for the next two weeks before we're back here on the free show with more coverage on October 3rd, the NOAA N1 final and the G1 99. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at Russell Omacase. Uh, wrestling would not fit, of course. And I want to thank you as always for listening. And I will see you next time. I'm very tired. Goodbye, everybody.
0: See you later.